Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I want to welcome everyone to Caves. This is our new series. This is where calling comes to life. And, you know, our, our last series was titled Called, and we discovered we're all called of God. We discovered he's invited us to stand in this divinely appointed position. There's a general calling, which is identical for each and every one of us. Then there's a specific calling. And here's what I've learned through reading the Bible, through life. We'll never end up where we need to be in God, where we need to be in our lives. We'll never really get to those places in the secular arena or the church until we hang out in some caves. And that's where our calling literally comes to life. And we're going to take a look at four caves in the Bible, obviously, metaphorically speaking. And we're going to have a blast. Before we go any further, I want to welcome all the men at TCI Correctional Facility. Guys, I'm excited you're joining us for this series. I also want to welcome Boardman Campus. I am so excited you guys are joining us. All the visitors at Boardman, hello. Visitors here. And I have the pleasure of teaching both campuses simultaneously with this incredible series. So when you look at caves in the Bible, there's four caves that are just really amazing. And we're going to take a look at two caves David went into, one today, one next week. And if he didn't go into these caves, the cave of Adullam today, the cave of Engedi next week, he would have never, ever fulfilled the calling on his life. And then we're going to take a look at Elijah having to go into a cave. If he didn't go into that cave, his ministry would have been cut short. What God had him to do would have never, ever finished. And then Moses went into a cave, and it's an amazing cave that Moses went into. So those are the caves we'll be looking at. Today's the cave of Adullam, and I want to open up with a question. And here's the question, guys. How do we handle the feeling of being slighted when we're not promoted or used? Have any of you ever felt like you've been slighted? Maybe in your family, maybe mom and dad favor one kid over another, maybe on the job, maybe in the church, but you just feel like, I'm being overlooked. Or you feel like, God, why isn't this happening or why isn't that happening? How do we handle those feelings? And we're going to find that out today when we take a look at David going into the cave of Adullam. And by the way, you know what I titled this lesson? The cave of character, because the cave of Adullam is the cave of character. So I'm going to share a real personal story with you. I'm being very transparent. So be, go easy on me, right, with this one. I... Um, this happened years and years ago, and uh, I was part of a ministerial association. And uh, as part of this ministerial association, they, I was in leadership, I was volunteering, and I became this regional director, and I oversaw the states of Ohio and Michigan. My responsibility was to be there and help the pastors, to grow the pastors and traveling ministers and missionaries. So I had to do state events once a year and then regional event once a year and then sectionals and I had to bring leaders up and had leaders help me in all those areas. And I really, really enjoyed it. I stopped doing it many years ago because believers just grew too big and I couldn't, I couldn't do that and this. So I had to let that go. But I really enjoyed helping those ministers and so twice a year with this ministerial association, we'd go to headquarters, which was in Oklahoma, and they'd have these one-week-long meetings twice a year. And the leaders of the organization would speak, and they always did just such an incredible job. But every, every, every time they'd have one of us or two of us get up and do a night session, and 
I went through the first year and they didn't ask me. And I went through the second year, they didn't ask me. This happened about 12 years. I went, <laughs> went through the third year, they didn't ask me. And right around the third year, I thought, hmm, why aren't they asking me? And then, then I became very critical. And I'd sit there in those meetings and I'd hear the person that was like a pastor like me or a traveling minister. I'd hear them, not the leader of the organization. And I'd hear them and I'd think, Man, I could do a better job than them. Why, why aren't they using me? Why don't they use me? And they'd ask me and a bunch of other guys to teach at 8.30 in the morning, 10.30 in the morning in what they called breakout session. There'd be 10 or 12 of us and everybody was up late at the night meeting. So you didn't have a lot of people. And I teach 50, 70 people. But at these big meetings, there are 6,000, 7,000 of us at night. And I'm just sitting there year went by and year went by and I'm critical. And I'd get over it after, after the week. I'd get over it. I'd repent. God, forgive me for murmuring, gossiping, being upset. And I just try to keep it between me and Gina. I didn't try to tell anyone else. Uh, but I slipped once in a while. So, so I'd repent. I'd go back the next year, and it happened again, and it happened again. And I'm, I'm pretty sharp academically and in those areas. But when it comes to getting some spiritual principles and things, I'm quite slow. And so... <laughs> It took me almost, I don't know, 10, 12 years to, to, to get a hold of this. And one day I just prayed and said, God, why don't they use me? What's wrong with them? And why aren't they using me? And then God always gets us an answer, right? It came a couple days later or so. And the Holy Spirit speaks in here in our hearts. And here's the first thing that he said. Joe, you're full of pride. And I'm like, this must be for someone else because I'm the most humble person I know and this can't be me, right? Joe, you're full of pride. You have some character issues and pride's one of them and, and I need to grow you and you're not yielding. And I didn't understand that at the time because I thought, God, I have a good gift. I could use my gift. I just didn't understand it. But eventually I said, okay, God, within days, I repent. And it was amazing. It was within a year that they, they asked me to speak at a, at a major event. And it was like, whoa, something had to happen inside me before God could put me in a place. And I think that happens in all of our lives. So this is my big idea. This is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. While you're waiting, God is working. And that little phrase, while you're waiting, that's that frustrating time, right? When you're wondering, why isn't anything happening? Why did they overlook me? Why didn't I get this promotion? Why didn't this job hire me, this place? Why, why is my family treating me this way? Why do they favor my sibling? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? While you're waiting, God is working. And he works in different ways, right? One way that he works is he's working outside and some things are a timing issue. He has to get this person to hear in this situation. So sometimes it's timing and he's out there working, but sometimes it's a work he has to do in here and we're not listening, we're not opening up to that work. We need to go into the cave of Adullam and allow God to do what he needs to do inside of us. So I got to thinking about this and I had an event that happened in my life recently. I was uh, at home. I took, I took a study day at home 
and, and I'm in my sweats in a t-shirt and I didn't shower or shave. Gina always tells me, are you crazy? And I tell her, it's, it's, I'm, I can work like this, right? What if someone comes? No one's gonna come to the door and I'll hide besides if they come, right? So, so I'm on the kitchen table and I have two sliding doors and it's just such a pretty fall day and I'm just working on the table. And then we have this living room with some sliding doors and a deck. And I hear all of a sudden someone knocking on the back window sliding door. And I'm like, that has to be a neighbor. So my first thought is to duck, to crawl out. I can't answer the door in the middle of the day, not shaved and everything. And I am working on my laptop. So I thought I can't do that because they'll see me go across. And if I stay here, they might walk over and look in here. So I, I have to go answer this door. And I walk over to answer the door. And here's what I saw. Take a look at this picture. It's one of my neighbors, right? <laughs> this turkey was amazing, um, just amazing. Uh, you know, a month or so before, we, we had all these holes in our screen, and we didn't know who to blame. And I took the screens off, had them fixed, and I just set them in the garage. I said, we got to find out who's doing this. And that was the day I realized he's looking at his reflection and just going like this. And I took so many shots of this guy, and I thought, man. If this wasn't a neighborhood, I'd, I'd have dinner tonight, right? <laughs> but I took this picture on this, this phone, my, my, my smartphone. And do you know that I sent this picture around the world to friends? And I had a little caption, I wish I could eat them. And uh, <laughs> I, I sent it around the world. I took the picture in seconds. I sent it around the world. And everybody saw it that I wanted to see that picture. And that's how we think God's going to work in our life because we're used to an instant world. And the instant world's awesome. I'm, I'm glad we have it. Um, but the, God doesn't work like that. Uh, God works like old pictures used to be taken. When my kids were young, we had what was called 35 millimeter cameras and this is 35 millimeter film. Everybody right, my age, y'all remember that, right? This has 36 exposures. You had to load this in a camera. Think about that, close this clunky camera, and then you would take pictures. You could see you know, through the lens what you were doing, but there was no digital screen to see if the picture came out or not. You just took them and you, sometimes you took extras because in case you blinked or something, let's take another one. And uh, then you had to take it to a store and it took a week to be processed back then. And then you'd go pick it up and you'd have to pay for it no matter what. And I'd always get in the car and I'd look and there was always three or four out of a roll that just were terrible. Then you would take it, if you wanted to send it to a friend, put it in snail mail and it would take time then to get to them. And you know, God really works like this. And you know what had to happen over that one week period that they had this? They put it through a nine chemical process and they did it in a dark room. And they'd have to put the negative in a chemical and then hang it up and it had to stay dark the whole time. And then they would put it in another chemical and hang it up. And do you know if you walked in that room and turned the light on, you would literally ruin that negative if you exposed it to any light. And that's really how God works in our life. God works in the dark. He develops us in the dark. And the dark is you know, in this cave of a doolum that we're going to look at today. And here's where 
many problems come for people that are super gifted. I'm not super gifted, so I haven't had this particular problem. I really have to work hard at anything I do. But some people are super gifted, and sometimes they get up on a platform and they're exposed in a position that's way above their character level. It's like turning the light on in that dark room and they can't handle it. And that's why we see people, politicians, uh, workplace, we see people in ministry fall and we wonder why did that happen? Well, they, they needed to yield in the cave of Adullam. And that's what I wanna help you see today because God develops us in the dark. So while we're waiting, guess what God's wanting to do? God is working and he wants to work in here. So I wanna uh, share a Bible story with you it's an incredible Bible story. It begins with King Saul. King Saul's the first king Israel ever had. And so he's their first king. And Samuel the prophet anointed him. And he's the first king of Israel. But he kept disobeying. So God had Samuel go to him. And Samuel said, God's ripping the kingdom from you. And he's going to give it to another. And then God says to Samuel, go to Jesse's house. Jesse had eight boys. He said, and when you get there, I'll show you which one of his sons will be the next king. So uh, Samuel comes, and Jesse brings out seven of his eight boys, and Samuel looks at each one and says, is it this one? And the Lord says, no, 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 seven times. So Samuel looks at Jesse and says, do you have any more sons? He said, yeah, I have this little guy. He, he's, he's a shepherd boy. He's out with the sheep. I, did, I didn't want to bring him in because he's just a little guy, and, and you know, God could never want to use him. And Samuel said, get him in here. So David comes, and as soon as Samuel lays eyes on David, God speaks to his heart and says, that's the next king of Israel. It's a really crazy story. Listen to how this reads. It's 1 Samuel 16, 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now listen. He's 17, and his brothers see this. His dad sees it. Uh, his sister-in-law see it. Neighbors see it. And I want you to think of how crazy this was. Samuel, the prophet of Israel, everybody respects this guy. He can read everybody's mail, and God uses him to speak and say and do. He takes this anointing oil. It's a ceremony, and he anoints David the next king of Israel. And the Spirit of God comes on David. That means he probably prophesied and, and just all kinds of anointing and power took place. And then guess what happened next? David's dad said, wash that oil off and get back to the sheep, buddy. That's what happened next. And David goes back to being a shepherd. And man, David could have thought, hey, I'm anointed king. God spoke to my heart. This is what I'm going to do. This is what he's going to do for me. This is how it's going to go down. I'm not going to go back to the sheep. But guess what he did? He went back to the sheep. But you know, when the spirit of God came on him, the Bible says it left King Saul and a tormenting spirit came upon him. And he's in this crazy torment and his mind's going crazy and he's having all these nutty thoughts. And, and King Saul heard there's this psalmist. He's a little shepherd boy. His name's David. And when he plays his harp, God's presence floods a room. Maybe you should have him come play. Maybe that will help you. Now, King Saul doesn't know he's been anointed king yet, so David goes and he plays for King Saul, and 
the very presence and peace of God comes on Saul. So here's David, anointed king. David knows it. Saul doesn't know it. And David's in the castle, but David's not king. And David's doing this for Saul. But then Saul has to go to war. So David goes back to being a shepherd boy. It's like, I'm almost there. And then I got to go back and be a shepherd boy. And while he's a shepherd boy, his dad says, hey, take some bread and cheese to your brothers in battle. So he takes some bread and cheese to them. And he hears the giant Goliath say, hey, send out your biggest guy, your toughest guy. If I win, you're my slaves. If you win, we'll be your slaves. And every soldier in Israel, including King Saul, shaking in their boots. And David says, hey, I was watching a sheep and a bear came. Man, God's spirit came on me and I killed a bear. I was watching a sheep another time, a lion came on me and I killed a lion. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That means I have a covenant with God. He doesn't that would defy the armies of the living God. And David said, let me add him. And everybody said, you're a kid. What are you going to do? Saul gave him his sword and said, here, okay, finally. Saul said, go ahead and do it. David said, I don't need that. He took his sling out. He said, boom and doom. And, you know, <laughs> Goliath went down. And Saul said, hey, you're quite a soldier. And he put him in the army. So now he's in the army, no longer a shepherd. And then he sees how good he is in the military and he makes him the head of the military. Not the king yet, but now there's some things happening, right? And then these psalmists in Israel began to sing songs. And here's one of the songs. Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his 10,000s. And Saul became insanely jealous and decided to kill David. And he tried to throw a spear at him two times. And the second time, David just ran for his life. Saul is chasing him down with 3,000 of his special forces. These are the best soldiers he had, 3,000. And David's running. He has 600 guys for him, with him. And he's running for his life, running for his life. And he sees the cave of Adullam. And he runs into it. This is a huge cave, guys, size of this room, right? And he runs into the back, and they're hiding in the dark cave of Adullam. And Saul comes by and says, I'm going to go in that cave and go, go potty. That's what he did. He went in the cave to go potty. David's in there. Now, I want you to think about what's happening. David's 17 when he's anointed. He doesn't become king until he's 37. There's 20 years before what God wanted him to do came to pass. And I am convinced if he didn't yield in the cave of Adullam, he would have never become king. So let's read what happens next. This is what took place next. It's 1 Samuel 24, 3. He saw came to the sheep pen, pens along the way. A cave was there, that's a dulem, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. This could be an opportunity for David, right? It can be a sneak attack. Listen to verse 4. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up on notice and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he came up with a, his sword drawn. He was going to kill him. He's creeping up and he's thinking this will end everything. And then God deals with him and he just cuts a robe off. Here's something else that's crazy. They misquoted the scripture. That, that was not referring to the king of Israel. That was referring to enemies he'd have from other nations, but they're misquoting it. And I've done that many times, being frustrated and, and just saying, you know what, God, this is what you say. And, and then 
I end up not praying for people I should pray for because I'm angry with them. And I end up not blessing people I should bless with these lips. And, and I end up doing all these things. And David's right in the same place. But listen to the next verse. Verse five, afterwards, David was conscious stricken just from cutting off a piece of the robe. But this is the holy robe, the kingly robe. He says he was conscience stricken for uh, having cut off a corner of the robe. This is the cave of character where God dealt with his heart and he yielded. Listen to the next verse, verse six. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is anointed of the Lord. And really he's not, if you want to be technical, right? Because the anointing left him and went on David and he's got this tormented spirit. But here's what David's saying. He's still in that position, and I'm not gonna knock him out so I can have it. I'm not gonna talk him down so I can have it. I'm not gonna cause strife or, or gossip in my family or at the job, because I feel I'm being slighted or not being treated right. He's saying, you know what? God's gonna have to remove this guy. God spoke to me, anointed me, said I'm the next, God's gonna have to do it. And you know what, God did it many years later. Saul was killed in battle and David became king. But from 17 to 37, 20 years, he had to go into a couple caves <laughs> and he had to be in this cave. And I've been in this cave many times, guys, and I have had God deal with my heart to change this, to add this, to do this different, that different. And I'm being honest with you. Sometimes I just, I just have said no, and nothing changes. But every time I yielded, I grew inside, and it prepared me. God develops us in the dark, and it prepared me for the next thing or this thing or that thing that God wanted to use me for, but he develops us in the dark. And it's that time in the cave of Adullam where God's dealing with our hearts I'd like you to grow this because while we're waiting, God is working, but we have to allow him to work. Listen to this next verse, 1 Samuel 24, 7. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. I really believe this message is for me, it's for all of us, TCI Borman. God is just dealing with us Instead of being frustrated, let's, let's smile and say, you know what, while we're waiting, God is working. And then let's ask the question, God, what do you need to work in me? What can I change? How can I grow? You're a student, you're frustrated at school. Maybe you have a nutty teacher. You know, some teachers could be nutty, some aren't, most, most aren't. But maybe you have somebody that's sliding you, treating you wrong. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's the job. Maybe you have a crazy boss. Whatever it is. It's just the right thing to do is grow your character. Pray for them. Bless them. That's what the, the equivalent of what David did in the, the cave. Don't take out the sword of your mouth and begin to tear things up, but just yield in that cave. And here's what helped me come to a place to where I could yield in the cave of Adullam. And I'm not perfect. I told you many times I say no. And God just keeps dealing with me. And you know, it's no fun to stay in the same place for years and blame other people. <laughs> That's no fun. And here's what I've come to learn. If God, listen to this, I'll say it this way. What God wants to happen will happen. In other words, God will open doors. He'll blast them open in our lives.
if he wants something to happen, it happens. And that brought a peace to me. And what I realized is sometimes what needs to happen is in us. And we just have to let him do it. So while we're waiting, God is working. And sometimes he's out here working. And if we go into the cave Moses went in, sometimes he'll deal with us and say, you know what? I don't want you in that place. I want you in a different place. And so sometimes he can't work because we have to maneuver to a different location. But sometimes it's timing, but a lot of times it's growing us in here. And here's a cool scripture. Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches. One of the churches was the church of Philadelphia. And they were an incredible church, but they were being persecuted heavily and they were being beaten up by persecution. Jesus wanted to encourage them and he's gonna encourage us right now. He said this, Revelation 3, 7. These are the words of him, Jesus, who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut and what he shuts no one can open it. What God wants to happen will happen. The key of David's a cool key. David was a type of Christ when he sat on the throne. And the key of David is just referring to when a king sits on his throne, anything that happens in that kingdom, he decides. If he wants to close a door on someone, he closes it. He wants to open a door for someone to be promoted, do this, do that, he opens it. Now Jesus holds those keys. And here's what Jesus is trying to tell us. You know, life's never fair. Life has a lot of issues that we wish it didn't have. Most things take longer than we want to take, right? But here's what God's saying. I have the key, so relax, chill, and know that when I want that door open in your life, I will open it. But in the meantime, there's this cave of Adullam. And while we're waiting, God really wants to work. And a lot of times, it's character issues like David had. And God just wanting us to change this and change that. And then God does these amazing things when we do those types of things. And here's a New Testament sister verse, 1 Peter 5, 6, and it reads like this. So be content with who you are. And don't put on airs. Don't try to be someone you're not. Just relax. God's strong hand is on you. This is written to every Christian in the universe. And every Christian, you need to know it, God's strong hand is on you. He's on you. He's anointed you. He wants to use you. He's called you. Listen to this. He'll promote you at the right time. When he wants it to happen, it will happen. And I love this next verse. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. And most of us can quote verse 7 from other translations, which say, cast all your care on me, for I care for you. And I like the way the message does it here. But you know, God wants you to give him every care that you could ever have, every care in every area of your life. But in context, you know what he's saying here? When your life isn't going the way you want and when you feel I should be here and this should be happening, that should be happening, here's what God's saying. Take that care, cast it on me because I care about you and I will promote you when the time's right. But then it, he's saying, hey, let me grow you because God develops us in the dark. And he's saying, get into the cave of Adullam, yield to me, and I will do some amazing things in your life. And this brought me to an incredible peace in my life when I realized while I'm waiting, God is working. And I think every one of us in this room should smile and be happy and just make a note. Let's make a mental note. I need to get into that cave of Adullam and I need to yield in there 
and just let God grow me while I'm waiting because sometimes he can't put you here till he grows you here. Just let him grow you and God's gonna do amazing things. So TCI Boardman, Warren, I think we should get a little excited that while we're waiting, God is working. Can we just give it up to God and say, thank you, God? We thank you for it, Lord God. You're amazing. Hey, let's bow our heads. TCI Borman Warren, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord, I did my best to bring out this part of the scriptures. And I'm so excited that I know that I know that you're always dealing with our hearts. So I know you have spoken some wonderful things to everybody listening. And Lord, all of us just want to make a mental note that we're going to open up our eyes and be aware there's a cave of Adullam, Adullam, a cave of character. And Lord, like David, we're going to yield there because David would not have become king if he didn't yield there. If he killed Saul, he would not be king. And Lord, we thank you for giving us chance after chance. I thank you for giving me chance after chance to yield in the cave of Adullam. And so, Lord, as always, as we sang today, we just submit our hearts to you. And we thank you for growing us. And Lord, man, what a hope, what a hope. You have the key of David. And no person on this planet can stop what you want to happen in our lives from happening. No one can stop it. And Lord, we take peace in that and we rejoice in that. And we say the last thing we want to do is hinder you bringing us where you want us to be. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm convinced God is still speaking to hearts. So let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Maybe you walked in, TCI, Boardman, Warren, and you came in not being sure of your eternity. Maybe you walked in not even being sure if God existed. He does. He is real. The Bible declares that he so loved everyone on the planet I mean, the worst people, the best people, he loves us all, that he sent his son to die for us. That's Jesus, and Jesus died. Jesus carried the sins of the entire world. God raised him up from the grave, and Jesus declared, if you believe in me, I'll save you. Whoever calls on my name, I will save that person, and I'll give you eternal life. So heads are bowed. We're in this attitude of prayer. Maybe you're here, and you say, you know what? I believe that. And I can't remember a day in my life when I prayed and accepted Jesus, but I'm ready to do it right now. I want you to pray with me. And the rest of us, we're gonna help them pray. So guys, can we, can we repeat this? And, and those of us that have done it, the majority of us listening, let's do it loud enough for those that are doing it for the first time to hear us. And if you're praying this for the first time, simply mean it. Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize... I need a savior because I'm a sinner and I look to you and, and I, this day, put my heart and trust in Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for me. God raised you from the dead and you are the son of God, the savior I receive you as my savior and make a decision today to follow you. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you pray that prayer, miracles happen. God washed all your sins away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. Heaven's your future home. God's your father. It's amazing. 
You may not have felt a thing, but that all happened. Something else is happening right now. None of us can hear or see it. But the Bible teaches us if one person on planet Earth prays that prayer, that all of heaven, God himself included, Jesus, God the Father, that they celebrate up there because we become the children of God by placing faith in Christ Jesus. So they have new kids, and they're just really excited up there. And I want to be able to go home today and celebrate with heaven. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat. But if you're listening today in either of our campuses, all three, and you say, hey, I prayed that prayer, can you just let me know by raising your hand again? I'm not going to have you stand or come up here, but just say, I prayed that prayer. And if you raise it once, can you raise it again? Because I'm looking around the room. Boardman, they're looking. TCI, they're looking. Hey, I prayed that prayer. We're going to look one more time. Our ushers are coming to give you a Bible. Congratulations to you. We're so excited for you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.